What's good? This is Kelsey, founder and fearless leader of Dope. You are zoned in for an episode of Soberpreneur, a look at what happens when we deal with our past shit, talk openly about that shit, and go do other awesome shit. On this episode, get ready for a serious dose of inspiration. I sat down with Manny Moreno. Originally from the inner city of LA, his life could have taken a very different path. But thanks to positive mentors, he's grown into a man on a mission, working to make the world feel good with his new movement, Bueno Bueno. We talk about his learnings from van life, protecting your energy, and the power of perception. Manny is just a burst of awesome energy. I love this dude, and I'm so glad that we captured this conversation. Let's jump right into it. All right. So Manny, I met you back in your van life days, and I just love that van life is even a thing. Uh, You're like carefree living, and we just honestly had such a blast. It was like the first night I met you, we got that mutual friend, um, and you're just this... uh, lightning bolt of energy that you are um i love it so thank you for jumping on with me absolutely one just thank you so much for having me uh such an honor i love your story and your journey you have a pretty dope life and it was awesome he said it (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) and uh it was and fun fact why i loved it so much too is that cookie dough happens to be my favorite thing in the world so i don't think it was coincidence i think it was meant to be so great so glad to be (laughs) back and chatting with you today. Do you know, I, when we met, I had just started Dope, right? I, I think I had it. I, I think I brought cake to your van that night or something. I had made a cake that day, but I, I think Dope existed. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Just early. I think it was still in the yeah, very early stages. You were at Pier 39 San Francisco. Yeah, I remember you yeah. were bringing the goodies. And then we actually went <laughs> to go visit you the next day, uh, right. which was amazing. And then you made our day. And then, I remember, right. and then I remember taking the photo and I put cookie dough all over your face. So to this day, <laughs> one of my favorite memories. Oh, that's awesome. We'll have to post that picture with this uh, podcast. Yeah, that, that's great. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. So what have you been up to since uh, those van life days? Slash, are you still living in that awesome van? That's a really good question. <laughs> and bittersweetly, I enjoyed the van life for a few more months, um, but I sold it. It was uh, an investment. I built the first one and then I enjoyed it for a year and a half and I sold it to pay off that dreadful student debt. <laughs> um, so yes. I, <laughs> dreadful indeed, man. <laughs> dreadful indeed. So I still have a little yeah. bit to go, but I'm going to build number two this year, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, in a moment. But oh, I have so exciting cool. plans for van number two, uh, which is going to you know, keep spread that good, good. Yeah. So for people who don't know what van life is, um, (laughs) they should figure it out. So will you tell them a little bit about what you did for that year and a half? Yeah. So van life is basically tiny homes on wheels. Uh, Most (laughs) people, yeah, most people buy like a transit van or sprinter van, uh, and then they convert it into a tiny home. Um, So long story short, I chose the sprinter van. And I was so fortunate that my dad had a construction background. So we built a tiny home out of this van and I lived in it for a year and a half. It was tricked uh, and, out, man. It was amazing. Yes. And you can find that <laughs> account at Manny's Vanny. Uh, yeah. The photos are still up there. And yeah, I'm excited to share number two when I start building it this year. Cool. Did you like follow the building process too when you guys were working on it on Manny's Vanny? We did. We did a little bit, but I'm going to be better at it the second time around because people had a lot of questions and well, the really cool thing is that this was my dad's and I's first time ever building a van. We were no professional background in converting vans. 
really didn't even design it like most people do or or encourage you to do. We just kind of went for it and went cool. built, built as we went. And it actually yeah. came out so beautiful. It surprised us, even surprised my dad. And actually became one of the most loved bands on social media. It, it gets shared every day. The account's still growing uh, just because of the photos that was, so were cool. shared. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, and the places you took it. You know, you'd see some photo and it's like, oh, this is me like having breakfast out of the back of this van, you know, with this amazing view in the background. So just enabled such a cool lifestyle. And something I think more of us need is that like refresh that you don't need material things to have a happy life. And you got to live that out for a year and a half. Yes, and it had a sign, two things you bring up, live simply. Mm. Uh, living simply is truly an incredible experience. Uh, like you said, it also, one of my favorite things I learned from an article is that the less you own, the less clutter you also have in your mind. So mm. not only do you have less clutter in your home, but actually you have less clutter in your mind. And there's a book out there, and I'm so sorry I don't have the, I can quote it, but I'll dub it in afterwards. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and uh, but it, it says in the book that if you own a pair of shoes, like in the back of your mind, you know you own it, so it takes up space in your mind. So the less you own, the the more space you have in your mind to mm. to one absorb more, or second, just have more peace of mind. And going back to you, going back to your first question about what is van life, I also believe it's freedom, just the ability to go anywhere you want. You know, driving wise, there's roads. You have everything you need with you. Um, so it's just really cool that you don't need to book a hotel. You don't need to crash on a couch. You have your whole little home with you wherever mm -hmm. you go. And there's a lot of freedom in that, which is something I you know, miss dearly and I enjoyed the most. So cool. I wonder why, you know, humans sort of have that natural inclination to just fill the space, right? Like I went from this itty bitty apartment in San Francisco where, you know, everything I owned was shoved in one closet and under my bed and, you know, just had no space. And now I've moved out to Vegas and we've got a house and it's like, you have this natural tendency to want to fill up all the little spots and this and that, and we need something there. And at the end of the day, it's like, do you really need it though? And it's so it's so yeah. true. They, they so I'm so glad you brought that up because we intentionally built less storage in this van for mm -hmm. that reason. Because I knew from, from from reading, the more storage you create, the more you're gonna fill it. So mm -hmm. I strategically didn't build as many cabinets or storage units as most van lifers did for that reason, uh, and it really helped me stay, you know, on board with the with the simple living. So but it's cool. so true. That's so funny that yeah, that we have that inclination. Yeah, you can't help yourself. You're mm -hmm. like, well, there's like there's a drawer here, so it needs stuff in it. <laughs> it can't be empty. And, um, and, and that's my stomach with cookie dough. Just seemed uh, like I, I can't, I can't, I can't stop <laughs> storing it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, uh, post van life, uh, humble design. Tell us a little bit about that next journey that you you started on. Yeah. So. You know, while I was in the van life, uh, I was actually a recruiter for this other uh, summer camp. But through this summer camp, I met this incredible family uh, and the founder of Humble Design, Trigger Strasberg. And just I've known him for, you know, seven years. While I was driving and recruiting in San Diego, I had learned that they just moved to San Diego. And we reconnected. And when we reconnected, they were like, hey, we really want to start a Humble Design here in San Diego, you know, we're, re we're not ready to build a team yet, but when we do, would you be interested? And I was like, Trigger, 
the moment you give me a call mm-hmm. and you're ready, I will drop whatever I'm doing, move to San Diego and help you build this. Um, so I volunteered. I did three homes. I would drive wherever I was in California just to be at these homes to volunteer and help them furnish these homes. And, and, and yeah, and then long story short, after volunteering to do the third home, I get a call uh, from her that they're ready to bring me on. And it was such a blessing uh, because that same day that I got her call, I was laid off of another job. So was unemployed and jobless and figuring out mm. what am I going to do with my life? And then that same day she calls me with this blessing. And then I started with Humble Design. And Humble Design is an incredible nationwide nonprofit where we take donated furniture from the community. And then we fully furnish and personalize people's homes who recently transitioned out of homelessness. So we really turn their empty four walls into beautiful, dignified homes but I think more importantly, the secret sauce is that we make the homes like we make the homes resemble them, their qualities, their favorites. So when they walk in, it feels like them. Uh, so there's a lot of beauty when, you know, your home feels like yours mm-hmm. uh, and then they work a lot harder to keep Not it. Not just a cookie cutter or something. Yeah. Right. It's right. Really nice. So that's what Humble Design was. So awesome. I love that. And I remember hearing that you were starting on that journey and I just thought, what a neat, um, you know, a neat nonprofit. There's so many nonprofits out there doing really incredible work. And I just get excited when I hear about one more uh, amazing one like that. So you were at Humble Design. Um, Take us through kind of what was the next jump? Yeah. So I was with Humble Design for about two years. And just FYI, if you're in Detroit, um, Seattle or Chicago or San Diego and you have furniture, look up HummelDesign.org and they will take your furniture and even pick it up. So just nice FYI out there, if you're moving, you're downsizing, they're a great nonprofit to support. Uh, so and, good because so many people just throw away their furniture. You mm-hmm. don't think about maybe there's somewhere that that could land. So for sure, if you're in one of those cities, consider instead of taking it to the dump, you know, take it and call Humble Design. It's awesome. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Go Humble Design. I love you guys. Um, <laughs> And then so, you know, I, I, I really loved it. I, I felt it was an incredible team, incredible opportunity and an honor to work for Humble Design. And then when I was transitioning, I, I you know, my heart has always been serving others. And when you look backwards in my life, uh, the one consistent theme has always been serving the community, serving others and developing others. Um, Why do you think that is? I would say at at the deepest level, I would say it's the values instilled by my grandmother. You know, Mm -hmm. she to me was the most selfless, loving, unconditional loving, and, you know, just such giving person, no matter what you did or maybe even what pain you caused her, she always chose to respond in love regardless or love and kindness. Um, she worked so hard. She gave up all her dreams to support her grandkids' dreams and her own kids' dreams. Um, and to this day, I, I, I'm still so inspired by, you know, the kind of the experience and just values she emulated during her time here. Um, and yeah, so I, awesome. Yeah, I really credit her for, you know my love for loving others and, and, and spreading kindness. Um, you know, she, she just did it effortlessly and, and, and always. So, 
So cool. What a gift. We need more selflessness in this world. I feel like it's a character trait too seldom found. So that's really, really awesome. Yeah, she's incredible. And yeah, so she 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 instilled that in me and and throughout my all my opportunities, that's always been the consistent theme. So when I transitioned out of humble design, this other person who I met through the volunteer network, um, we just ha- she she called me. She's like, "Hey, we have furniture." I was like, "Hey, so sorry, I'm no longer with Humble Design." She's like, "What? You're not?" I'm like, "Yeah, no." Uh, she's like, "Well, I actually work for this other incredible nonprofit, mm-hmm. and we would do anything to bring you on." So I'm like, "Oh, the, thank you so much." And then, long story short, I ended up going and learning more about this nonprofit and fell in love with it. And it's called Uplift San Diego. We've been around since 1987, and what we do is we we help the people in our in in San Diego who have unmet needs. So people who are homeless, we help them get their California IDs, which is essential to getting any kind of resources and help to transition mm. out of homelessness. And what I love about it even more is that we prevent poverty and homelessness by tutoring and mentoring youth in our inner cities uh, of San Diego and our lowest performing schools. So for those of people who don't know me, um, also my background, not only a nonprofit, but it's working with youth. Um, so it, it's just really cool to be reconnected with youth yeah. and mentoring youth. Cause another fun fact is that I'm an inner city kid from LA. And if it wasn't for mentors and tutors who, you know, mentored me and, 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 and really were so generous to me, despite my rudeness or my attitude that I had, you know, growing mm-hmm. up, I would not be who I am today. And if it wasn't for their kindness, uh, I could have ended up, you know, going in a very, very different direction. So I'm so grateful and it's so wonderful that I can now give back to, you know, youth yeah. who grew up like I did. Yeah, um, it can make such an impact on a child's life. You know, you're in these formative years. And if you don't have that that same, you know, love and support at home, or you're in a troublesome area, or, you know, you don't have the same access to um, opportunities, things can really go a different direction. So um, what a neat nonprofit. So Uplift San Diego. Um, what was that like for you growing up? Um, I didn't know that you were from from uh, LA growing up. I assumed you were just born and bred in the ocean tide of San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wish. I feel that. I feel like if you believe in path lives, <laughs> I was yeah. definitely born on an island or somewhere in the water, but you were a sea turtle exactly. near Hawaii or something, <laughs> right? But yes. in, in this life, I was born in the inner city, inner city cities of LA. Um, so it it was hard. It, so I really have empathy for you know people and kids who grow up in inner cities, and I think the biggest challenge for me was there was really no positive role models or people to emulate, and I truly believe that our environment has a big impact in how we're shaped. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's difficult to aim for goodness or greatness when the person who's the most respected and has, you know, the cars and, you know, when you're a young boy who gets the girls is mm-hmm. like the the gangster on the corner or the drug dealer who's has it all. And, and when, when that's all you know, that's what you strive to be like. So, you know, I wanted to be like these people growing up because that was what was around me. And and I'm just so grateful that I had 
you know, people later on, like tutors and, 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 you know, positive people that were hard to find. And despite my attitude growing up, again, gave me like generosity and kindness that ultimately gave me a broader perception that there is more to this life, that there's more to, you know, these people that we emulate. Um, and it's just, I would say, yeah, the, the people to emulate and the small perception often in inner cities. Uh, and that's why I love what we do now is that we really can pop their bubbles and show them that there's more out there. There's more opportunities. And yeah, there other are paths to choose. Right. Mm -hmm. So cool. So uh, I love that you're involved with that. And your actual job really is a passion hustle. But you've also got a little bit of a side hustle growing um, just because your amazing positive energy can't be contained. So tell me a little bit about what Bueno Bueno is doing, kind of coffee concept turned movement more than anything. Right. No, I'm so glad. And this is like a perfect segue. Um, so I plan that. <laughs> You're awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Bueno Bueno, it kind of stems off that. And Bueno Bueno first started by spreading that good to good one cup of coffee at a time. And ultimately, in the beginning, what it meant to me, a cup of coffee really meant safety, that warmness and being welcomed. And, you know, in my van, I attracted so many people would come and just join me for a cup of coffee and we'd have amazing conversations. And people always said they walked out of that experience in my van or sharing a cup of coffee with me, feeling better, feeling better about their day, better about themselves. And they just feel good about the world. And so awesome. I wish more people could experience what that is like, you know, because to someone, you know, looking in like, oh, come into my van and have a cup of coffee. But in that community, which I got to see a sliver of, uh, you know, those days with you hanging out um, when you were in San Francisco, it is such a village. Like there are lots of other people on this same freedom hunting journey as you with their vans and your vans and you're all parked in the same parking lot. And I just you can totally envision that you know, morning cup of coffee, like coming over and, and hanging out and getting to know what really is a total stranger, yet somehow a close neighbor. Right. And, and, and what I love about too, is that, you know, when you start having these conversations and meeting with these people, you find that we're a lot more similar than we are different. And, mm -hmm. and I also believe that you can learn something from anyone that everybody has something to teach us. Every story has a lesson or a piece of wisdom or insight that can make us better uh, mm -hmm. or we can learn from their experiences. And so as Bueno Bueno evolved, um, you know, I, and then what I found out through Bueno Bueno and through these coffee moments is that I love conversation, that everybody needs a form of expression. One of my favorite books is Dr. Edith Eva Eager, uh, The Choice. And in that book, she talks about, you know, kind of like mental health and how to how to grow and and you know either recover from or avoid depression. And the opposite of depression is self-expression. And for some people, it's art, it's painting, it's music, it's exercise, whatever that means to you. And for me, I've learned that it's conversation. That every time I have a conversation with somebody and we go deep and it's meaningful. I always feel so good after. Um, so Bueno Bueno, as it evolves, I really want to turn it into a podcast. And ultimately what I want to do, why I want to do this, and through my own experience, is to end the epidemic of I'm not good enough 
and and to also end this epidemic of loneliness. Uh, I feel like those are two big things. Mm-hmm. And I really want to show people through the podcast and through interviewing others and through conversation to give the insight, perspective, and wisdom to see the world and more importantly, themselves differently. Because I think perception is everything. But I love just like the theme of what you focused on in your life and how this will come to light with the podcast with Bueno Bueno. Yeah, so it is so interesting. I've had a lot of endeavors and ideas and that's kind of a... Uh, an awesome thing to talk about. Yeah. And I think serial entrepreneur, you know, like you want, you've got this like bottled up energy and there's some way to get it out. You want to get your message out. And I think you've like culminated it really perfectly that it's about conversation for you. And um, by doing it through the podcast and telling other people's stories, you're helping to end those epidemics. You mentioned loneliness and, you know, people uh, feeling like they're less than and, and all of that. So it's good stuff coming from you, man. <laughs> uh, thank you. And, 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 and on that, it's because we all go through that. I think at some point, everybody has those narratives in their head. And these people who we emulate and look up to, like you have an incredible story, an incredible experience. And I, I'm sure, you know, would you say that, I mean, at some point in your life, you had these narratives in your, in your head, like, I'm not good enough. And yet, look at you now. 30 at Forbes, 30 under 30, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're on Shark Tank, you're, you know, you're successful, you're growing and you're doing this podcast. Like, have you ever had this narrative in your head at some point in your life? Like every day, you know, that's the sad thing is um, it's almost like imposter syndrome. I think it's difficult in our society to ever feel like what you are or what you've done is good enough. Mm. Um, it takes like constant reminder of, uh, you know, feeling like it is enough, it is good. Like I write down the list of, uh, you know, accomplishments or you try and remind yourself of those lists when when you're feeling down. But um, yeah, it's a real struggle, I think, for, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but, um, you know, for people these days to just ever feel like you've really made it or ever feel like you're, you're doing good enough because that next carrot is dangling just in front of you and you feel like, you've got to rush to the next finish line. Mm, so mm-hmm. yeah, I, and growing up for sure, um, I felt like that. I think lots of my problems with anxiety and uh, alcohol and all the stuff I was doing to cope with my feelings was, uh, you know, rooted in that I wasn't going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. I would like cry when I got a B on a test in school, you know, just, uh, I don't want to say pathetic because little me was just really stressed out, but it is just so sad to think like, that's how hard we are on ourselves that, um, you know, what some would view as successful in my perspective, wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and, it, and I'm so glad you're sharing this and thank you for sharing all this. Um, and it's so interesting, like, and in, in one, I guess to go on the first point, like, how do you now, because, you know, I go through that too, but it's also ultimately now I have different narratives. Or I'm aware of it. I think the first thing is to become mm-hmm. aware of it become aware of these you know limited beliefs and then when we hear them we can just snap ourselves out of it and then replace them with better beliefs so exactly. obviously you are good enough because you've accomplished so much and how do you get yourself through how did you get yourself through that like I'm not good enough phase to where you are now I know we still go through it and you still that that narrative sneaks in here and there but then once you hear it how do you or what do you have in place to then be like, you know what, shut up, voice. I I'm, <laughs> I am good enough, and I'm gonna do it. What what what's that? I just talk to myself quickly in the corner. 
<laughs> yes, no, it really happens. Um, I think uh, it just takes some awareness, like you said, like the consciousness around it is the most helpful thing in more recent years where it starts to come up and then you just, you really can remind yourself in, in perspective, it's, it's okay. Um, it's not easy. Sometimes it takes an outside voice reminding you of all the cool stuff you've done. Um, my husband is a great champion for me when I'm feeling down on myself. Mm. So yeah, sometimes you need the extra little push, but um, the stronger you can get about remembering that, the better. So I think uh, you're doing some worthy work. People out there, <laughs> me, need some some help <laughs> on that front sometimes. You know, and I'm so glad you brought up your husband because the two things that I really want to voice and educate people is one, that perception, that narrative, changing that narrative, and then second, relationships, which is the second thing I went in, which is the loneliness. And, mm. and those are the two, in my opinion, are the most valuable assets we can have and improve the quality of our lives. So yes, changing our narrative is important, but then if you don't have that reaffirmation from other people, um, you know, having that affirmation for other people can only catalyze that and, and amplify that. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that often when people go down a, neg a negative narrative, like I'm not good enough, it leads into more negative narrative and then they go on this downward spiral. And then when people don't feel good about themselves, the number one thing most people do is isolate themselves. They don't want to mm -hmm. be social and they don't reach out to people. So then that just adds even more. Well, now, now I'm not good enough and no one wants to be my friend and all these things. So just imagine all that negativity, just snowball effect. And that's why one, working on your narrative, your narrative and perception is important, but also cultivating meaningful relationships can reaffirm all those positive narratives. And, top, and, and like you said, you have yeah. somebody to express yourself, going back to self-expression, we need people in our lives, relationships. I truly believe that the quality of our lives is directly correlated with the quality of our relationships. Yeah. And important uh, specification there is like quality, not quantity. Right. I think when um, I was in therapy shortly after getting out of college and I remember my therapist asked me to write down like how many people I thought were in someone's average inner circle. And I wrote like 15. <laughs> she was like, your inner circle is usually two people, like a best friend and then your significant other. Um, so I just had such a skewed sense of like mm -hmm. everyone else has more friends than me or, you know, I have a lot of acquaintances, but do I have enough like great friends or, um, you know, as time's gone on and I'm just so busy with running a, a company now. I feel like I'm not good enough at following up with people. And, you know, am I staying in touch enough with my friends? And you can start to go through the spiral. But, um, you know, knowing that you've got just even just one, mm -hmm. you know, even just one other person who's there for you um, to touch base with and be connected with is, is so important and really can help to uproot this loneliness epidemic. Yeah. And, and two books that that I highly recommend it. You're you a book monster. You make me, I need to read more books. I love reading it. And, and that, that, yeah, well, then, so good. And, and that goes back to perception. Uh, I'll talk about the books really fast. And then I'll, and then I'll go back to those two points that I want to elaborate on. But you know, one of my favorite thing about books, one of my favorite quotes is that a person who reads books lives a thousand lives. A person who doesn't only lives one. So what mm. that means to me is that when you read, you really gain more perspective because when you read people's stories and narratives mm -hmm. and experiences, you know, now you know what is you you kind of know what it's like to be, you know, yeah. 
a, One more a, angle. a slave in, in the 50s or somebody who was an Auschwitz survivor in the 40s, mm -hmm. you know what it's like to be a woman, you know, during those, you know, during the 40s, because they really share their stories. And when the authors are really good at being vivid, you feel what they feel. And it's really helped me gain more perspective and more empathy for people. Mm -hmm. And I just wish more people would either read or do audiobooks yeah. or even listen to podcasts because these are all stories and narratives where you can gain more perspective. Um, and then going, Man, wouldn't that help the the world? And you know, not to get deep on this, but the political climate, if you know, we all could understand a few more perspectives um, in that realm. So I totally, totally agree with that. I think that's an amazing viewpoint of what it's like to read a book. You really are walking through their shoes for a moment. Mm -hmm. And and then you said something, and I love that you said, but like, yeah, I think often too is that most people want to be understood, but the first thing we got to do is actually understand others. First seek to understand and then be mm -hmm. understood. And then often that leads to a better conversation and, and compromise and whatever, if you're having a negotiation or trying to yep. you know, achieve something, it's always better to listen first and then get your point across as well. Um, but you also, I mean, you touched on so many things here and, and, oh, I was gonna talk about the books, but these books are one of my favorite books is emotion, emotional intelligence by Daniel Coleman. Mm -hmm. And in that book, he really elaborates on the power of even just having one meaningful friend going back to that point. Cause again, that's perception for a little bit. You, you know, we think that because we don't have 15 friends, we're not good enough. When in reality, when you learn like, oh, wow, yeah people's average is only one to two people. That's just like a gap in perception. Like we mm -hmm. focus on the lack instead of what we have. So like two points was just that, you know, we were in, in your example, you're focusing on not having 15 friends when you had two good friends or one awesome friend. But if we were to focus on just that one awesome friend, just think how much happier we would be. We were like, yeah, I got one friend as opposed to, oh, I I'm short 14. So right. there's two different ways of looking at that. Um, and then, yeah, going back, like just even having that one friend that you can express your feelings, your accomplishments, and, you know, your, your hardships makes a world of difference. And so just to drive that point further, that it's not about quantity of relationships, but it's about the quality. Um, and I think that's so important. I'm glad you brought that up because that really does preach, change. Manny. Preach, Manny. Mm Preach. -hmm, Words to live mm -hmm. by. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Words to live by. I love it. Those are honestly like such uh, such valid takeaways for everybody in the world. So I'm I'm super excited we got down that that path. With Bueno Bueno, um, it, does this van too that you've lightly mentioned uh, have to do with some master like U.S. tour of coffee dates? <laughs> I was so that... glad you brought that up. So yes, 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 yes. I want to take Bueno Bueno nationwide. I want to oh, take so Bueno Bueno, cool. spread that good, good one conversation at a time and invite people to join me for a cup of coffee and just share their insights, share their stories, share their testimonials, because I truly believe that everybody's stories matters. Everybody, the more stories we get out there in the world, the more people will realize that we're a lot more similar than different, that we all go through hardship. Mm -hmm. We all lose people. We all have pains. We all suffer. We all make sacrifices. No one, no one escapes this life without pain. But pain is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. And again, suffering comes from perception. 
and what we focus so on. So good. I think you should say that again. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. Yeah. That is so deep. I'm shook. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, really yeah. love how that sums things up because this perception concept is like so critical. The way you choose to view your situation is how you're going to experience it. So you get to frame your your future in a way. Um, Absolutely. And, really I, and, cool. I, and I can't take credit. That's a quote from somebody. You can look it yeah. up. But yeah, pain is inevitable. Suffering is in choice. And that reminds me of one of my favorite quotes, which is, you know, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. Two of my favorite books that yeah. elaborate on the concept is Man's, Man's Search for Meaning by Dr. Viktor Frankl and also The Choice by Dr. Edith Eva Eager. Highly recommend these books. But our most powerful superpower is how we respond to what happens to us. And in, and in Dr. Frank, Dr. Victor Frankl's words, is our most powerful superpower is a moment between stimuli and how we respond. So it's that mm. second of like, can you take some space? Take yeah. some space, take a deep breath, and then respond appropriately to that circumstance. And you know, I, and I don't blame people for being super reactive. It's because we're battling a million year old brain that's mm -hmm. hardwired to react for survival, to fight, flight, you know, or friend or foe, whatever the mm -hmm. words are. Yeah. And, you know, our thinking brain didn't come till years, millions of years later. So, you know, we're programmed to survive and react. So if a tiger is right there, you don't want to think too long. You just want to be right. able to run away, <laughs> you know? And yep. whereas, you know, but nowadays, Less tigers. Less tigers, <laughs> less threats, but our yeah. mind doesn't know the difference. So it just reacts. Yeah. And, but, and I, there's some uh, scientific study about taking deep breaths. So the like real thought of like, can you get a little bit of space in here before you respond? And your parasympathetic nervous system is proven to be calmed down after just three deep breaths. So, in those moments, like we've all felt the, you know, the heat rising. It's like your body is getting physically warmer. Your, you know, head might be starting to hurt a little bit. Are you getting all these physical sensations? If you can take three deep breaths or even two, um, there really is science behind its ability to make you make smarter choices with what you're going to say and, and what you're going to do. And I love that you said that. And yes, like. Unless there's a tiger, do not take three breaths. Yeah, run. run. <laughs> <laughs> just run. No bueno bueno. Yeah. Run. <laughs> No chilling, no just chillin'. go. Uh, but I'm glad you brought that up. Like, yes, like taking a deep breath does help. And I would even like to take it one step further. Sometimes when we're feeling stressed or anxious, go for a walk. Or if you're upset at somebody and you're not ready to have a conversation, go for a walk. When I'm feeling anxious or overwhelmed, I just walk for a minimum 15 minutes and you come back with more clarity, with probably a better way to respond to whatever situation just happened. Mm -hmm. But taking a deep breath and 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 going for a walk, I I think I encourage people to do that if they're ever in a tough, in like in an argument with somebody, or feeling really anxious. It's just go for a walk, and really calm your mind. And I think it will allow you to develop a better response to whatever your situation is. I'm glad you brought that up because that's yeah will save people from hurting people further or. Or themselves. Or themselves, or, yeah. correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's such a thing to just walk away for a moment. Um, I even think like just the intensity of our technology-based lives these days. You know, I wake up, 
I'm on my phone, I sit at my computer, I'm staring at the screen all day. And it's like, even in the moments where we intend to relax, my phone's back in my hand. And then like you get into that mindless, you know, scroll or something. And um, uh, my husband and I work from a home office. And so we're like, our morning commute now is to have our coffee and sit in the chairs downstairs and like no phones for 15 minutes before we go to the computers and get started. So that's made a huge difference just to like get some outside space. And we did the walk one day too, did a little like, you know, three mile walk one morning to just have our outdoor strategy session, if you will. I love that. Um, it really helps. It's like, you just need a little, yeah, break from the norm, um, something to shake it up and, and not just be like filled with this never ending stream of, of stuff coming at you on, on all the screens. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and it, I'm glad I'm glad that that you had those practices amazing and one thing I want to elaborate on too and why I'm so passionate about this subject about responding rather than reacting is for most people that don't know I used to be a very reactive person I was very insecure angry little kid I was a bully and I was one of the most reactive people and it's because I one I truly believe I didn't have any self-awareness at the time And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because of books, because of exercise, and because of learning these practices via books, via podcasts like yours, they gave me the tools and the perception, the insight to self-reflect and question myself, why am I being reactive? Why am I doing these things? And really take a moment, like this is not the life I want to live, or this is not what I want people to think of me as being the angry kid. So... And then now I can honestly say that I have not been angry in years and I, and it's because these practices. So one, it's these books that I'm reading and I really want this podcast to be, you know, factual and quoting books and actually, and also things that I've applied in my own life and have seen worked in my own personal journey. And it's not for everyone, but I hope that, and like you said earlier, that I think there are going to be some insightful you know, perceptions that we shared today that would maybe useful to somebody. And I think that's what matters the most. Um, because ultimately, and I get this a lot, people always ask me like, why are you so happy all the time? <laughs> or, or, you know, chill. And, you know, I, I would say that it's, it's perception. It's, it's, it's why, why be angry? I feel like anger does nothing good ever. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's an emotion that I think was developed to survive and to fight if you were backed up to a corner with a tiger, with a bear. And yes, you got to like fight all, you know, right. But even then, like even the most, even the best fighters, <laughs> but you're even like, like, I'll fight that lion calm as shit. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, even, yeah, even the, even yeah. fighters will say the fighters who are the calmest are the yeah. best fighters. And one of my favorite quotes from Muhammad Ali is that those who anger you control you. Mm. And I never want to give anybody that control over me. So and true. the moment you get them. exactly the moment you get angry, you've lost. And yeah. anger as a response or, or, or reactness also does nothing good. Does It only takes you further away from the goal you want or your desires or your interests. Yeah. Like if, if you want to solve a problem, Anger is only going to push people away or be less likely to compromise or negotiate with you in all facets. So anger, I truly believe anger is never the right answer. 
Um, I think you're going to live to like 120, Manny, because I think one of the biggest things with aging and what makes people, you know, die at a younger age or what on the contrary makes people live longer has to have has to do with stress, like stress levels. What's really getting under your skin is really taking years off your life. My um, dad's dad, my papa is like 90 years old and the dude is like running around still. He plays golf like three times a week. He's just absolutely incredible and the one thing about him is he will never be mad like it's really hard to find him genuinely upset about anything my whole life I just remember him being really carefree and um he has his scotch and his tea and toast and he just doesn't need anything else you know he's Mm -hmm. uh happy as a clam and I just think it has such an effect he doesn't take a single pill and he's 90 um it doesn't make sense except for that he is yeah such a happy demeanor so and that's good. incredible. And, and and one thing I want to mention is that, and, and, and we can all achieve this. It's a practice. It's like a muscle. We have a thing in our brain, our, a part of our brain called the neocortex, and that's our thinking brain that came way later in our evolution that can control our, you know, our emotional brain, which is the amygdala. And that just takes practice. So why I brought up that example is to that you know, I went from a very reactive person to a very calm person. I mean, I get really excited and <laughs> I talk all day, but, you know, we really do have the power to develop and, and, and you know, develop our ability to respond appropriately to every given circumstance, which will result, yeah, in a much more peaceful life. Imagine, imagine driving on a freeway, getting cut <laughs> off and not reacting. Like how good would you feel yeah. if you if you were no driving joke, someone cut you today. off? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this literally happened today. This guy cut across three lanes to go right in front of me, and I started to reach for the horn. You know, I was gonna honk at him, and I just thought, I don't know. Like, what good is that gonna do? I thought it's just gonna make me elevated. It's gonna bring my cortisol levels up, and I'm just gonna let it go. He's probably you know having a bad day or in a rush or really like crammed in his thoughts with other stuff going on. So like, I just let it go and I drove by and I was like, Oh, you know, the angel starts singing. It's way better than, than giving into the road rage. Beautiful. And that goes back to the Muhammad Ali quote, like those who anger you control you. Imagine if you would have responded in anger and now you're angry and you, let's say you're going to go have a meeting with somebody. And the first thing you tell that person, like, Oh, I'm so upset. This person just cut me off and what an a-hole, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and that so just bleeds in. Like that just bleeds into everything you're doing and, you know, or respond like the way you did. And now you get off the freeway, you have the same meeting, but now you're happy to see them. You, you respond with, with that, you know, the, you know, the glitter in your eyes yeah. for that person. Just like more framing it, for your day. Right. Right. And that, you know, and that goes to another thing that I really you know, what this I'm not good enough is that I really want to show people how to protect their energy. Like what you did, you were really protecting your energy. Mm. And and because if you allowed it to 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 come into your core again, that would have probably carried on to more of your day. But and you know, one thing that I that I that I wanted to bring up too is like I love your journey about being sober. And you know, for me, I'm doing this challenge right now where I'm not drinking. And what I realized for me is that when I don't even drink, even like one or two, three drinks will affect me for two or three days because I'm a lightweight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not my best self when I'm foggy from, you know, a, a drink or two from the night before the day before. And so I'm learning that to eliminate things that, you know, 
change my energy because I want to be able to give people my best. Um, so I, I, I want to know, and I'm curious, like, you know, obviously, you know, you've been sober and, 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 and I'll elaborate a little more because I really want to explain a little more. So like what I mean about protecting energy, I often feel like when we do things that make us feel bad about ourselves, like often I'll, I'll, it'd be inauthentic for me is drinking. Like I always feel guilty after drinking, mm. you know, I don't feel good the next day. Mm-hmm. I feel bad about spending money on that. And, you know, if I drink too much, you know, sometimes I, I'm not the happy Manny. I'm not, you know, the, the loving Manny's. Most times I am. I love people more. But it's that 5% or 1% of maybe saying something dumb or, or stupid or, or mean to somebody jokingly. And, and or again, the next day feeling cruddy. And it's just not worth it. Like, it's not mm-hmm. worth. And for me, it's like, my favorite thing is to have a conversation with somebody and being up late at night or, you know, doing things that don't make you feel good. I'm not able to have the same quality of conversations or give people my undivided attention or listen well. Um, So I know that for me, it's like going on morning walks or not drinking or not Mm -hmm. watching TV or not, you know, watching or reading about negative stories or not comparing myself. Like I, unfollowed so many of those you know i don't know like uh you know successful people on instagram because all i just do is see them driving their lamborghinis and things like that i'm like oh that would be nice like oh i would wish i had a lamborghini but it's like you can design your life you can design your environment so mm-hmm. you know it protects your energy i think the biggest gift of not drinking has been the ability to even consider protecting my energy. <laughs> like yeah. I, I was just coasting before and I felt like um, alcohol, like you said, was so many mornings of, oh, I really wish I didn't do that last night or wish I hadn't said that. Or um, even when they weren't such like uh, horrendous, appalling nights or anything, it was still just not exactly me. And then I was a little yeah. foggier the next day. And then I didn't want to go on that run in the morning. And you know, just all these things. And at the end of the day, it was just like you said, alcohol was just not worth it. Um, Mm -hmm. It just wasn't important enough, uh, particularly, you know, when I know I could go out and have a good time without it. I just choose not to go out until (laughs) 2am. and I choose not to, you know, go out six nights of the week or or whatever, like I used to. So, um, you know, you can still have friends, have a social life, you know, not fall into the loneliness trap. But um, it just doesn't require alcohol for me. So I think um, a- another thing about protecting my energy has changed since I started dope. Um, I-, I am so critical about what takes up space on my my calendar, mm. um, what takes up time for me, because it's really easy to say yes to everything. You know, we get asked to, to do and to speak to a lot of people and to do all these little things. And if I said yes to everything, I would just die (laughs) and I already feel close to dying like most days it's pretty intense what we're getting done but like you know you really have to cultivate your time and your schedule um and make the most out of every hour so I feel really protective of um the energy I'll give out you know during the work day or even um personal like friends want to make plans or something and sometimes I just have to say you know what like for me I'm not going to be able to do this because I I need to um I need to restore, re-energize or whatever, or, um, 
you know, have some time for myself. And that's important too, and very difficult as an entrepreneur. <laughs> right. And, and, and you, you said so many wonderful things. And I'm so glad you brought that up. Like going back to your first point. Yeah, right. It's not the 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 big crazy nights, but even just like that little bit of fogginess that, you know, may damper, like may just get in the way of not going for the run mm -hmm. or not picking up that phone call from your mom because you don't feel like it or you're not feeling mm -hmm. good. It's little things like that. I was like, it's just not worth it. Like the, it doesn't serve me, which is was my realization. It doesn't cultivate, you know, our best selves. And, and, you know, I love what you said about, you know, your work schedule too, or like just not saying yes to everything. And that's just, you know, recognizing, you know, what really, you know, it just, I think that, how do I say this? It's really cool because I think, I think that's just what I was trying to say that it's so cool that you're, you're even just to be, you're able to recognize that what makes you feel good and what does make, doesn't make yeah. you feel good. And I think that's just so important and awesome that you have that. Yeah. Like you talked about not having self-awareness when you were younger. And, um, I feel like if I had not stopped drinking, I would still not be self-aware. You know, I still wouldn't mm -hmm. be able to say, gosh, why do I feel off today? You know, what's really going on inside? I think like it, even the, you know, multiple nights a week and on the weekends having drinks and stuff, it's not like I was downing a fifth every day, but even the drinking that I was doing really, it just coated everything, you know, it was just, um, I don't know, let you roll through life. And I wasn't really like, paying attention to how I actually felt or if I was doing things that made me happy and did I have any hobbies I enjoyed and was I really having an impact? And when I finally like, you know, made the decision to stop drinking, it was like, oh, like there's so much that lights me up and so much I want to be doing. It's like a big freaking light bulb over my head that there's more to this life than just waiting to go try out the new brewery in town. I love that. I love that. How did you like, and I'm so curious, like, how was that decision for you? Because, you know, what were some fears? Because you, you, one thing you said earlier, too, was, you know, the loneliness. And I, I feel often that people drink and social drink just to avoid being lonely. Mm -hmm. It's an easy way for people to get together. And how have you, one, got over that? And then two, yeah. Found, I feel like the hardest challenge is finding people who have similar values to you. And 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 I just want to like, you you brought up a really good point and journey here that like, there are other people out there that don't do this, or you can be the, the, the thermometer and sets, you know, the room or the thermostat and sets the temperature of the room by being the one who brings people together and, and show people that there's more to socialize and then just drinking. You can go on hikes. You can, yeah. you know, do a podcast. You can do so many more things. I mean, like, how was that journey for you? Totally. And like, and you can have people over and just have other drinks than alcohol, you know? Right, uh, right. Sometimes people think like there's, how could there be a house party or a barbecue without everyone drinking? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you can do things still. Um, and like major shout out for just the zero proof movement and all the cool drinks that are coming out for people who don't uh, indulge in alcohol. I think that is an amazing space that's opening up so that what we've all come to know as a social experience of sitting with someone and having something in our hand can be done with something still really cool and not needing to get a glass of orange juice or, you know, I'll, I just have water for the people who aren't drinking. Um, you know, you can be more thoughtful with it. Like, 
literally this week I've had like Lagunitas has hop water. It's like a um, hop flavored sparkling water. Wow, that's uh, so cool. Literally, I had the Hairless Dog is um, a company that makes an IPA and it says like for when you want to party, like there's a tomorrow. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's like, epic. Stout. Like there's all these cool drinks, beers or sparkling stuff that's um, non-alcoholic and you can really have a good time. If I rewind, however, to 2015, when I was like, good Lord, I need to get this together. I'm, I'm done drinking uh, and made that decision. It was like such clarity that morning of just like, I'm not doing this again. Um, I had like, I'm, you know, the story had spent the morning searching for my stuff in Barcelona, picking up the pieces from what I had done the night before I was on this work trip and um, I just was so over it. I just did not want to. Uh, feel like that ever again. So found an English speaking AA meeting and was like, let's do this thing. And from there came the real life of like, well, how will I date sober? How will I find friends that want to hang out with me when all of my friends just go to breweries and bars? But just like you said, there are people who are in your same camp. Um, it's just about finding or better yet, attracting them uh, mm -hmm. by being your best self. And I moved to San Francisco uh, around six months after I got sober and I adore that group of friends because they're the first people that ever took me in and, you know, joined forces with me as a friend, really knowing just the Kelsey that I am today and not hindered by any memories of awful things I had done, you know, drinking and um, yeah, it just was so cool to just, that's just who I am. I'm just Kelsey and I just don't drink. And they just knew that, you know, from the start. And, um, yeah, I felt really myself and the more confident and comfortable I got in my own skin, it was just like, uh, I would never want to go back. I love that. And I mean, oh, you said so many beautiful things there. Um, and, and, and just even that last part, like, I love how you let go of your old identity and that we can have a whole podcast on that, but then you, 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 then you reestablish a new identity. And I think often people hold on to their old identities and, and when, if it doesn't serve you anymore, yeah. let it go. And, grow. And, and We're be, like butterflies. I was yeah. in my cocoon. <laughs> and now you're this beautiful butterfly soaring, colorful, uh, exactly. the dopest butterfly. So that's like yeah. awesome. And then I guess, one thing that I'm curious, because it's so interesting that we're bringing this up, because I'm doing a, a challenge right now where I'm not drinking. How did you, you know, so what one of the things I've recognized is when people give you a hard time for not drinking, and then like your friends who would, you know, are always like, oh, well, yeah, you know, give you a hard time. That's so interesting totally. to me. And obviously for me, it's like one of my, my favorite narratives to say, you know, it's it's not me, it's them, or it says nothing about me and everything about them. Mm -hmm. But it how did how did you or did you even have that experience where people, you know, gave you a hard time or totally you know Yeah, I think I mean, I don't know that anyone can fully escape that. Even like, you know, family members that always mm -hmm. be drinking at the holiday times and then you aren't, it's kind of like, oh, what happened? Or like what's wrong, or why aren't you? Um, but yeah, the friend game can be tough with people who knew that you did drink. And then even a, a couple of people I found, you know, over the years when I go out where they're a little bit of a nose turn up like here and there of, oh, you don't drink? Like why? But for the most part, I think this world is getting a lot more understanding on that front. So when you get over the hump of like, this person knew you as a drinker and now you don't, if they can't let it go after you let them know that you're not drinking anymore for XYZ reasons, they're probably not a great friend to have in your life. So 
uh, I just was able to navigate and surround myself with people who said, oh, cool, you don't drink. Do you mind if I get a drink? Cool. And then that was the end of it. Um, and I, I encourage people to just do their thing, be themselves. It's my choice. I don't force anyone else to not drink. Um, and if they're not cool with the fact that I don't, then so be it. But yeah, certainly hit a little bit of that. You just got to be really sound in your decision and know that like it's the best thing for you. And other people are so wrapped up sometimes in the need to have a drink. And like you said, it's them, not you. Like you don't know what's going on in their life that they're trying to like deal with with alcohol. Or I mean, sometimes I just feel sad that they don't think it's possible to have a good time without it. Like, I wish they could see the joy of like, oh, you can you can go out and socialize without alcohol. So it, it's it's sad sometimes that people feel so um, hell bent on making sure that you are also drinking with them, like as if it changes their experience in any way. Right. And I'm so glad you shared your journey because one, it just shines light that there is hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Like if you are going through that moment where people are giving you a hard time, like you said, you stayed your ground, you were assertive, and you found people, you found a tribe that, you know, love you no matter what, support you no matter what, regardless if you drink or don't drink, and don't give you a hard time for it. So I was just so cool that, yeah. you know, you you stuck through it. And again, you know, the, the, for you, the grass was greener on the other side. And that's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so glad you shared that. You are, uh, you're getting in the other seat here. You're getting your practice in for your one one podcast. I feel like uh, they're interviewing me. I love it. <laughs> I was like, well, I was just so curious because I'm this is, it's, it's one thing I'm going through right now. So it's it's yeah. I want to get the Big insight. Ups, um on your challenge. I'm interested to see if it goes beyond the 75. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. It's, um there's always some of the dry January folks that are like, wait, January was freaking awesome. Like I got all my shit done and <laughs> and right. I actually like, yeah, felt great. So um sometimes it lingers on a bit longer. And I want to touch on one more point by you sharing your journey and your story about being sober. And that was like, it's isn't it so beautiful that when you are you, when you are like your best self, I think that's when people like look at you and be like, whoa, how is she the way they start questioning your awesomeness and your light. And they're like, you know, how did you get there? How are you doing? And you, you just share your journey like, yeah, I don't I don't drink. And then people want to be like you. And they ask you and they, and they ask you all the questions and for advice. So I think that's really cool. I think the best way we can shift culture and mind and mindset is by being our best selves and um, yeah. by living our authentic truth and so speaking our true. truth. Like we can't change people by telling them. We can only live our best lives and influence them. Yeah. It's like uh, see and, who wants to come along for the ride. <laughs> right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, and get, get excited about it. I think it's like, it's like a superpower of getting sober or finding yourself or, you know, just, yeah, being who you want to be. Cause that light shines through for so many other people who think, man, like maybe I should like reconsider blank, you know, mm -hmm. maybe I should consider how my relationship is with alcohol or whatever the substance is that you're using to, to cope or to coast or, you know, to numb. So, um, that's been so cool. I have, uh, a couple of people from my past life at Intel that I still talk with. And um, they're like two years sober now. And it was, you know, from watching me and my early journey and deciding that they didn't like how they were with alcohol too. And um, yeah, made a change. So 
they shall not be named, but I love them. And if they're listening, I'm super proud of you guys. I <laughs> uh, love that. And, and on that note, I just thought of something like when we, like for example, you shine so bright and when you're your best self, you know, you shine the brightest. And when you shine your brightest, you shine light on others. And when we shine light on others, they are they are able to see, and like you said, they start questioning themselves and considering other options like, hmm, maybe I should try that. Like by you being your best self and and, and taking that leap, you, you've now obviously radiate so much awesomeness. Yeah. And and your light makes people question their own. Like, how cool is that? Like, that's what I got from that, from you sharing that. Like your light made them observe and you, sh you shine light on their perspective and they were able to see things differently through your you being your best self. So I think that's really cool. And I feel like that right it's there is a golden tough. nugget. Yeah, like <laughs> if we want to help other people grow and get enlightenment, we first need to grow and get enlightenment. So we can, and then when we focus on ourselves and we can be our best selves, that's when our life- Magic happens. Magic, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And just keeps spreading and rippling yeah. across. It's so inspiring to talk to you and hear what you've been able to do too. So- I would like you to think about what you'd want people to remember about Manny for years to come. I think if, if I can, if people could remember me by one thing is that you are good enough. You are good enough. If I could leave one yeah, legacy or token behind is that remember that you are good enough. You have everything you need to pursue your dreams and to remember that you know, the victory is in the trying and the attempting and then the going for it and then the asking. Not the result, but in trying. Again, the victory is in the asking, the trying, and the going for it. Whatever comes after that is a lesson and then you can approach it differently. So you are good enough to try anything you want to do. And that's key right there. You are good enough to try anything you want to do. And anything that comes after trying is a, is a lesson. You can learn from it. And if you succeed, awesome. If you fail, it's, a, again, a learning opportunity. And then you can try again and try again. But remember, everyone, everybody has the ability, everybody's good enough to try to whatever it is they want to do in their lives. Boom. You heard it here first. That's Manny's advice to live by, really. I love it. I love it. So awesome. So what can people expect to come from you and Bueno Bueno? Where can they learn more information about that? If they just want to write you and say, you freaking rule at life, where could they do that? <laughs> yeah, so um, they can find me at buenobueno.co is the website or on the Instagram at buenobueno.co. Um, and I really, bueno, bueno, I really just want to make the world feel good and more importantly, make them feel good about themselves. You know, I truly believe that we're drowning in information and starving for wisdom by E.O. Wilson, one of my favorite quotes. And I just want to put good content out there, good perspective and reminders that, again, going back to what I said, that we are all good enough to try and attempt to go for all our dreams. Uh, so that's where you can find me. And I really hope that everybody, you know, I ho really hope that, you know, everybody learns how to believe in themselves. Yeah, I love it. Well, you are on a mission to make that happen. And I'm just so inspired. You've been the man of many quotes of awesomeness. And I can't imagine that uh, anyone listening doesn't feel at least a bit more inspired to go off and kick some ass. So 
thank you for joining me today. And uh, I can't wait to see you again. Yeah, I'm so excited. Have thank to you. Arrange a hangout with your new Vanny. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And on that note, yeah, thank you so much. Been an absolute privilege. You have an incredible story as well. As, you know, so bueno bueno. And mm-hmm. just would love to connect and grab a, grab a cup of coffee with you soon. And a side of cookie dope. Yes, we'll make it a dope and coffee tour. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, see. Absolutely. <laughs> super stoked. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Manny. Whoa. Thanks for listening to that whole podcast. You rock. All right. We hope you're leaving here today with even a smidge more inspiration than when you showed up. If you did, my job is done here. Subscribe to our podcast. Follow us at Eat Dope. And if you're craving some cookie dough, and I mean, when are you not, order at dope.com. It's D-O-U-G-H-P.com and use code SOBERPODCAST for 10% off. Have a dope day. Yeah,